Heavenly Features is an 18 Maiden Lane production. Hey guys, just a little content warning at the beginning here. We do talk throughout this episode about murder, mental health struggles, violence and homophobia. Uh, We also had a special guest on this week's episode. Um, My little boy Bear was running around the place uh, while I was recording. He, He got a bit hyper during uh the recording so you can hear his little nails tipping away on the floor uh at some points throughout this podcast so i do apologize for that uh he just wanted to be involved hello and welcome to heavenly features a weekly podcast where your two hosts sophie and kim hey how's it going get together to talk about film we take it in turns to recommend a film and this time it is kim's turn Yes, uh, so my pick this week is the 2002 film The Laramie Project, uh, which is written and directed by uh, Moises Kaufman. Uh, This film is based on the experience of the writer-director going to Laramie in the wake of uh, the murder of Matthew Shepard with his theatre company to interview the townspeople to write the play The Laramie Project. Uh, So... On the night of October 6th, 1998, Matthew Shepard, a 21-year-old man, was kidnapped, tortured, beaten and tied to a fence and left to die by Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson, two local men, also in their early 20s, uh, and this was just because he was gay. Uh, McKinney and Henderson admitted to the crimes and used the gay panic defence. They were both convicted of all crimes. Um, So Wikipedia says about the hate crimes legislation that Shepard's murder brought national and international attention to hate crime legislation at both state and federal levels. In October 2009, the US Congress passed the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. Uh, And on October 28, 2009, President Barack Obama signed the legislation into law. Uh, So bear in mind that Matthew Shepard was beaten to death in October 1998, and this wasn't passed until October 2009. Um, Now, I chose this film to cover today because not only it's just such a powerful film based on a true story, but it seems quite fitting with all of the things that are going on with LGBTQ rights at the moment, especially in the States. Um, You've got the Florida Don't Say Gay Bill, Texas signing into law banning trans students from playing sports Um, and I think this film just shows what happens when you foster that hate for people Uh, and we're getting more and more hate crimes happening because we are fostering that hate Uh, and then the laws are passing that feed into the hate and give these bigots more power over their wrong views of queer people and it causes more self-hate and the more laws and bills like this that are passed the more queer people we are going to lose. Um, Now, this film gets me every time I see it. And I know, uh, like, from watching it as a kid to watching it now, I've always bawled like an absolute baby every time I've watched it. Uh, And I know that this time you did as well, Soph, because I got a text from you right after you you watched it just saying, fuck you, Kim. (laughs) Um, So uh, I'm guessing that means that it did get you yet again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hadn't watched it since, uh, gosh, it must have been about maybe 2004 or 2005, maybe is the last time I watched this. It's been a really, really long time. Uh, so it was lovely to well, okay, lovely. It was it was good to come back and revisit something because I think sometimes when you're in your own bubble 
and when you're having your own experiences if you're lucky enough to not um if you're lucky enough to not experience like everyday prejudice or uh be the victim of a hate crime then it's very easy to kind of forget about other people's experiences in the world and so watching things like the Laring project certainly always uh kind of makes it clear clear to me certainly that there are still a, a lot of problems in the world there are still a lot of things that we need to fight for um and that although you might feel safe in the moment if you allow uh that hatred to be kind of fostered and to fester almost within people to the point where they want to go and hurt another person then these sorts of atrocities will happen over and over and over again so i think it's one of those things where it's very humbling uh to watch but also very kind of igniting in terms of the i, I would hope that the people who anybody who watches this film uh would be uh feel feel enticed and feel uh, motivated to try and make the world a better place as a result of seeing the ways that humanity can be really dark yeah absolutely and what what you what you were just saying there made me think of one of the quotes from the film itself where uh someone this is this is a quote from it so some people are saying he made a pass at them you don't pick up regular people i'm not excusing their actions but it made me feel better because it was partially matthew shepherd's fault and partially the guys who did it you know maybe it's 50 50 and that just shows to me the firstly obviously victim blaming terrible but also the the fact that the hate is so ingrained in people's minds that they cannot see that even if someone does come on to you it doesn't excuse beating someone to death just because they're gay yeah so i living in the uk i was not that aware obviously i wasn't aware of who matthew shepherd was just generally being a person living in the world admittedly when he died i was still at primary school so i wasn't regularly watching the news it's possible that it was reported here and i'm just completely unaware of that but i know it's something that kind of nationally affected um the united states and it was a big uh topic of discussion um and widely reported on then so for me, the only reason that I ever came to know anything about this was because when we were younger, we were looking for films that covered uh, gay storylines or characters who are gay or characters, um, oh, sorry, actors that we really liked, which often ended up in gay films. I wonder why. <laughs> so confusing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like Cleo Duvall. Um, and... At the time, unfortunately, majority of the films uh, that you could easily access were films about tragedies uh, within the gay community. Uh, you didn't get as many positive films. And even now, that is something that is, is still being fought for, for there being more positive representations of different members of the community. Um, well, it was, but... only, it was only 2016 that the whole bury your gays like, movement happened because they were just killing off every gay character and you're like come on give us something that's not a fucking tragedy well a lot of a lot of films that i remember watching around that time so the lowry project is obviously one boys don't cry is another um where these were based on true events mm -hmm. um 
that happened that were obviously horrific hate crimes against people in the community. So watching that as a young person, it, it's difficult not to have perhaps a, a slightly jaded view of what reality might be like as you grow up, um, <laughs> being yeah. part of the LGBT community. I mean, maybe I took it a little less because at the time I didn't know. Um, <laughs> I was just seeking out this stuff for no reason, apparently. Um, <laughs> well, I think I think that you also, because like you and I were friends, like it was it kind of was quite not just like you but like all of our friend group like if i because i was out like and wanted to watch this stuff so it was kind of just like a normal like oh we'll put on a queer film so i think it like it would have been different if maybe we hadn't have had so many queer people even if they didn't realize at the time in our little group so yeah. it was just like yeah we just watch all these queer films Exactly. And I, I think that because of that, we learned a lot, particularly uh, when we're watching American films, we learned a lot about what was going on stateside mm. regarding um, laws and, you know, pivotal moments, whether that be a success or a tragedy um, in, yeah. uh, in like the American timeline of, of queer rights. Um, and where, whereas I was very much unaware of what was happening in this country, uh, in the UK uh, during that period of time. I had no idea um, about the the laws that were in place to prevent m you know, myself being taught about LGBT rights and matters in the classroom until I left school. We weren't allowed to be taught that we didn't have the right to be taught because you're not allowed to fucking be taught it. It's fucking ridiculous. I didn't know until like 10 years after we left school that that was even a thing. I had yeah. absolutely no idea, um, but I was aware of situations or circumstances that happened in in the US. So I was aware of, um, you know, tragedies like what happened with um, Matthew Shepard and Brandon Tina. Exactly, and, and several several you know high profile cases of hate crimes happening. And what I really enjoyed, and I'm using enjoyed in in a, a perhaps a bit of a strange way. But I mean more as in what I really took from this film this time that I um, was grateful to see and hadn't noticed so much previously um, was how much this film was not just about that murder, but it was also about the community. And I realized that more this time watching it than I had perhaps previously when I thought that it all centered on uh, Matthew Shepard. But this time around when watching it, I realised that it's kind of also a love letter to Laramie as a place. Um, and it, the complicated feelings that people had that lived there uh, because they didn't want to be defined by a crime, but they also couldn't ignore that that crime had happened within their community by people from their community. Um, so it was interesting to see that it was kind of a study of both local feelings about both the murder, but also homosexuality um, and how those topics perhaps also um, reflected on the opinions of middle America, perhaps, as well. Because Wyoming, obviously, perhaps being more of a, a rural area in the United States, um, it probably represented many states, many towns across that region of um, the US. Uh, and that kind of slightly small town um, view on things which don't often get highlighted as much as at least what I see in some films uh, when top, uh, uh, tackling these topics quite often they're in big cities 
uh, dealing with things like the AIDS crisis, because, oh, my God, it's all... I mean, it's important to talk about those things, but so many of the films we watched was about murder and the AIDS crisis um, <laughs> when we were growing up, because it was all there was. And the only... Well, there was, there was no happy ending for us. There, there was no happy ending. The only film that we had that I remember watching at that time that was um, perhaps more positive was... Uh, but I'm a cheerleader, which we've talked about previously, uh, which was a satire of uh, a lot of those opinions. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it's yes, it's a positive film, but it's also based in fucking conversion therapy. Like, exactly. it's still like it, we didn't have these like epic romances that like the straight people had. We didn't have these just everyday mundane things. We didn't see ourselves being humans. We saw ourselves as a victim. We saw ourselves as the butt of a joke. There was no just, here's an average day, everyday person living their life with other things happening. Every film that we had was based around the fact that we were gay. Not uh, whereas, whereas films for straight people aren't based around the fact that they are straight. There are some, obviously. But every film that we had was based around purely the fact that we were gay. We had no other personality traits other than the fact that we were queer and we were yeah. going to die from it and we were going to be hated from it. Yes. Whereas this, this film kind of took a different tone, obviously, because whilst it's not a documentary, um, it is a fictionalised version of events that really happened. And when I say fictionalised, they they use the language, they use the quotes um, and the words of the people they interviewed, but they used actors um, on the screen to represent those people. But I thought it was interesting how either conflicted or hypocritical or maybe even naive some of the characters seemed to be when they were talking about uh, a homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Because one that really stood out to me, um, and I hate to say it, I've forgotten her name, but she was the older lady who was the mother of the police woman who found Matthew Shepard. She talked about, this is towards the beginning of the film, she talked about how uh, it was okay to poke or smack one in the mouth, meaning, you know, assault um, a gay person. That's okay because in Laramie, it's live and let live. And those, the way she said it, it is almost like, there was no recognition of how conflicting um, that statement is. Because in one moment she's saying it's live and let live. Everybody's okay with each other here. And another moment she's saying that it's okay to berate or to assault somebody based on a characteristic of who they are. Oh, it's that bit. It was so shocking hearing, hearing her say like, Oh, you know, it's okay to poke one or smack one, but it's live and let live. I was like, this is this is genuinely what people think is acceptable and and going like because gay people aren't really people so you can like you can poke at them and you can smack them around but you know as long as they just leave you alone then we won't hurt them it it's just it showed how ingrained into the culture mm-hmm. those feelings were that if you were homosexual then you were an outsider and so it's live and let live unless, you know, occasionally you want to be a bit of a bully. Um, yeah. But it's fine. It's live and let live. And I just, the way that it was said so casually, as if yeah. like, this is what everybody understands. 
um, I found that more shocking than some of the outright homophobic things that are said in the film. Like Agreed. there are, like if you're going to watch the film, be fully aware that there are going to be things in there that you might find offensive or you might find difficult to take because some people are overtly homophobic. Um, and of course the subject matter is um, obviously focusing on, on the murder, uh, the torture and murder of a young man because he is gay. Um, and how p even people who uh, are meant to be there to care for people um, when they have been hurt, for example, the doctor also says things that um, he's caring for his patients, but he also finds it difficult to fully wrap his head around um, Matthew being a gay man yeah. and whether that he had the same worth as maybe other people and the and the police chief, I believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, even after everything that's happened and him having these moments where he's breaking down because it is so horrible having to read out the words of Matthew's parents um, and breaking down and having, you know, receiving hate mail from people across America because of the way that he um, was emotionally uh, kind of connected to this case and yet still had an issue of being okay with the fact that Matthew was homosexual, with the idea of homosexuality as being an okay yeah. thing. Um, I found that bizarre as somebody who personally, I mean, I obviously feel, I feel very privileged to have been brought up in a family where that's never, it's never been an issue, somebody being gay. Like their parents could, literally couldn't give a shit. They never talked to us about it, but they never said anything negative either. They just didn't, you know, didn't care it was like it's not a big deal it's whatever some people are like that some people aren't whatever who cares well you know? i mean i know i know from your parents like i've never had an issue being like i'm here i'm queer <laughs> like exactly like... and uh so i know that that's a really really privileged position to be in but it also means watching other people who struggle with uh being able to see the humanity in gay people in lgbtq people um it's bizarre to see people struggle with that as it's not a, an experience that I've had to experience myself or witness other people experience in my personal life. And I think that it's, it, I, I, that's the one thing that I found the hardest about watching this film is the amount of people at the time that this was, you know, these, these um, uh, recordings were made, these interviews happened that despite the horrific crime that happened in their town. Many failed to see the humanity in Matthew if they also had to accept and acknowledge his homosexuality. That was something that I found very difficult to watch, um, more so than the people who were outright, um, you know, against what, you know, not against, who were outright um, homophobic and pro what happened. Like, there are always going to be assholes like that, but the people who felt bad for Matthew but couldn't be on board with, you know, couldn't accept or acknowledge the fact that he was a gay man and that that was okay and that he sh what had happened to him shouldn't have happened to him because he was gay. Um, most people just saw it as it's a horrible thing that this man was beaten and not it's a horrible thing that this man was beaten because he was gay. Like they were very separate things for some of the people that were being interviewed. And I found that very difficult to digest that people 
couldn't see the humanity in someone just because of something like them being gay. And and there was the the whole like oh you wouldn't get this much attention if he wasn't gay, like yeah. And it's yeah. I mean I've I've personally been like I've had like hate crimes committed against me for being gay, and I've had lots of experience to be honest, which is like a depressing fucking thing to think about. But I've had lots of experience where I've been either verbally or physically assaulted for being gay, yeah. and it's awful, but. And it's terrifying, which and it leaves you every day scared to just go out and be in the world, which which is what this film shows with the other queer characters in this film, that they are scared to go out and be in the world because like there's a scene where they're talking about a, a lesbian couple scared every time a pickup truck drives past them and does a U-turn. Yes. And it's just, it's horrendous and it is terrifying. But I've always found it's the the ones that aren't overtly homophobic that actually scare me more because if someone's going to come and beat the shit out of me for being gay they're going to come and beat the shit out of me for being gay but it's the ones who who pretend like they're okay with you apart from the gay thing and like they say these little things that you can't you can't like you you don't feel capable to come back and be like what the fuck are you talking about because they say it with a smile on their face or they say it where it's like, oh, you know, hate, hate, hate the sin, love the sinner and all of this bullshit. Yeah. And, and I'm like, this is this is who I am. This is who Matthew was. This is who like queer people are here. And yeah. it's just that little like, oh, you know, we, we are a community full of love and, and respect apart from, you know, we don't like the gays. And it's just such bullshit. Yeah, and it feeds into the hate then of the people who are actually full of pure hatred. It just gives yes. them the the freedom to go and commit these heinous crimes because then they're turned around and be like, oh well, you know, he did, he did, he was gay, so you know, he you have a right to attack him, and it's yeah. it's terrifying to think that people people who claim to be good people genuinely still believe that if you are gay. It's okay if someone beats you up. It's okay if someone murders you. It's okay because you're gay. One thing I really did like, though, is how the film took the time to show and acknowledge that Matthew was not the only gay person in the town. Um, Yes. That there were lots of people who were queer, um, and they even had that meet-up at one point uh, because one of the teachers or lecturers at the university was very open about being a lesbian when they came to town and how she was told that there were people who were like her, who wanted to meet her straight away, and there were people who were like her who would never associate themselves with her for the fear of being called... Played by Janine Gruffalo. I mean... Well. <laughs> yes, and also um, technically some asexual rap there because he's ace. Uh, so love. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I thought that it was really important to kind of showcase that doesn't matter where you are and what the general feeling is about homosexuality or any uh, protected characteristic that people might be prejudiced towards, that there will always be people there, whether they are... Um, kind of in hiding or visible who are part of that community 
both the town community and obviously also the queer community, the, the LGBTQ plus community, and how it's important to note that just because a lot of people think a certain way, um, or that's a general kind of mantra or cultural understanding of homosexuality um, in that town, that there are people there who rebuff that, who who are who, as just being themselves, are against that, born and bred, or whether they come to that area, that they that they will always be there to kind of either obviously or secretively refute the fact that everybody in that town is straight and that it's just some outsider, just some outcast who is the only gay there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This idea that yeah. it doesn't matter where you are, you might think that everybody's straight and everybody hates gays, but actually <laughs> look a little closer in your community yeah, because there's more people there than you think that identify somewhere under a queer uh, spectrum, uh, whether that's gender or um, sexuality. Um, there are people there, regardless, yeah, yeah. wherever you look. You might be in the most uh, like religious and bigoted place in the world. Look closely, there will be people there. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I found that when going to school, with like obviously we went to the same school and it's like a thousand plus girls in the school and i for so long felt like the only lesbian yes i was like there's no one else there's a thousand plus girls in this school and i was convinced i was the only fucking lesbian like you're not that precious love well firstly yeah <laughs> like really Gosh, second seated <laughs> <laughs> but also like yeah you like obviously it's terrifying to come out and it's terrifying to to do this but once you do and it might take you a while because I came out before I found my community. And even though technically I had already found my community because <laughs> you and, and my, like one of the other girls in our group are queer, just, you know, didn't realise at the time for you. Um, but I... And the, the other me... one was just your makeout buddy occasionally. <laughs> yes, she was. <laughs> but like, I... I just felt so isolated and so, and like my best friend who was my next door neighbor was a fucking raging lesbian. She did not tell me. She didn't realize at the time. And we were like best <laughs> friends talking about all these hot women, fucking delusional because she's like, "Oh, let's stop and watch this show and watch the L word and all of this." And I'm like, "Oh, she's so supportive." I'm like, "No, she's a fucking <laughs> raging lesbian." But <laughs> um, you, were the, you were the excuse she needed to be able to exactly. watch those things openly. And to be able yeah. to go, oh, she's so hot because, you know, her parents might just think, oh, she's so supportive of her friend who's clearly a lesbian. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I just, yeah, it, finding your community, though, is such a pivotal step on, like, the queer, like, to feel accepted by a community. And that doesn't have to necessarily be in person. Obviously, when we were growing up, the internet was not uh, really such a thing, which ages us. Um, I mean, it was. Like, your parents, Amazon recommended, was fully full of, like, the L word box sets. Um, <laughs> yes, but... So it because... was there, but it just wasn't as uh, a community hub for queer stuff. Well, there wasn't as much social media. I know we had, like, MSN, um, but, like you know and also like 
we did have MySpace, but I didn't <laughs> find my community on there. No, because it was I'm... just emos. <laughs> yeah, so I I Which didn't I have part this. Of. Emos yes, and goths. Yes, I was there. Um, but I didn't find anything. Like I remember, like my version of being online was going on Ask Jeeves because I'm like pre Google, um, <laughs> and fucking looking up. People had like typed up script of lesbian shows because I couldn't find any lesbian shows to watch. Like I didn't have my community, whereas now online you can find a community really easily. Like I've got such a community online, and not not people that I'm friends with, but just I'm watching people who are queer, and it makes you feel so much more accepted. And I think this film does show that so well. Like this heinous heinous crime happened, and because of that a group of queer people found each other and yes. connected and met up. And I'm not saying, oh, look, you know, it's a good thing at all. It's a horrible thing, but at least it brought some people together. Well, strangely, I feel like many people live, perhaps were living in fear of being found out for being queer or... Um, just not advertising to everyone what their sexual preferences were. Um, but sometimes through adversity, people feel the need to stand up and say something. And you will risk your own potential safety to do so. Though I must admit, I, I would imagine that there was another level of safety in doing, you know, revealing your queerness at that time just by the fact that the whole world, supposedly, certainly all of America, was looking at this small town in Wyoming, um, that if a hate, another hate crime happened, it, it was going to be a big, big deal and it might stop um, further hate crimes from happening at that time. But usually when there is adversity, people stand up and they need to have their voices heard. We've seen that um, more recently with the Black Lives Matter um, coming out of um, you know many instances of racially aggravated um, murders and assaults and we see it when uh, Trump was saying lots of misogynistic and sexist things that women stood up for themselves well you've and got the Me Too movement you have the Me Too movement you have so many movements where people are saying actually I'm going to stand up now and I'm going to have my say I'm not going to be silent anymore and I'm going to stand up against what I uh, feel is wrong um, and I'm going to make sure that that is known and I feel like that happened here on a on a kind of smaller scale, but there's uh, that really pivotal moment when that man who's talking about how he's lived in Laramie his entire life, um, how he is a gay man, and uh, his joy at seeing the end of this parade is oh. happening. Um, I think it's a homecoming parade, I believe. Something it is, like that. yeah, it's a homecoming parade. And at the end of the, you know, when he, when he first sees the end of the parade, there's a few people following the end with a little banner, which is standing up to um, homophobia and standing up for Matthew. Um, and this road goes circuit around his building. And by the time he got to the other window in his apartment and he saw uh, the end of that parade coming back around, that so many more people had decided to stand at the back of that parade and whether they were queer or not they had made that choice to say that they are either queer or they're an ally and they're not going to take that shit anymore 
And well, yeah, he, he so said... So powerful it, to see. So powerful. And he says, by the time it got round to the other side of his window, the little cluster at the back was bigger than the whole parade itself. Yeah. And all of those people standing in solidarity and against this hate crime. Oh, yeah. I, ju- I, I had to pause the film because I couldn't actually see <laughs> through my tears. I just... Oh, it's just, yeah. it's such a powerful moment. Such yeah. a powerful moment. And I just, I just don't understand all the hatred. I don't understand it. Like, yes, you get these beautiful moments out of it. But like... We can have I beautiful just... moments without the tragedies. Exactly. Exactly. We can have beautiful moments without the tragedies. <laughs> I just, and like, I just don't understand. I don't understand that whole level of hatred. Like, I can be like against something but i wouldn't go and fucking kill someone over it or beat someone up because they are slightly different to me i just don't understand it i don't understand and it's it's legislated hate a lot of the time it's like put in it put into laws there's still the gay panic law in like states in america that's still a defense how is that still a defense it's ridiculous because regardless of whether somebody comes on to you or not, whether that is in a heterosexual or homosexual situation does not justify somebody killing you. Because no. it's, not just, it's not just being used um, as a gay panic, it's also being used as uh, more, more of a, a trans panic as well. When people uh, start to engage in intimate moments and yeah. perhaps it's revealed in that moment or they are confronted with something that, you know, with the fact that the person is that they are having this moment with is trans. And unfortunately, that is still used as a justification for why people do horrible, horrible things. And yeah. it, just, it just never justifies it. Because if it's something that you're not interested in, just walk out the room. Just but, walk uh, away. Think- this shows the whole other level of of consent as well like if like i've had men come on to me yeah and said no and they've carried on but i haven't beaten them to death and been like oh sorry straight panic like yes i leave as somebody who's ace i've had many people you know either flirt or come on to me and then get aggressive and call me a cock tease and mm-hmm. call me all sorts of things like that when all I've been trying to do is get them to leave me alone. Um, or you just you start talking to somebody and you think that they're just being friendly and then they want something more. And then when you say no, suddenly you're being a cock tease and they get all aggressive in your face. That's happened several times to me. And it's just like, I thought we were just having a nice chat. Um, I mean, I know sometimes, you know, I've got blinkers. I don't always see... The vibes are being sent to me. It's part of being ace, um, at least in my experience. <laughs> Some things just go over my head. But nevertheless, it is never appropriate to take it out on somebody else because your needs are either not being met or that somebody has mistaken um, your interest in them. That's never a reason to then get a- abusive, aggressive, or even commit heinous crimes against them. It's never an excuse. Can I ask you something? Has a woman ever come on to you and then been aggressive when you've said no? 
not in my experience, though I will admit that women coming on to me has been a, a much less uh, situation. It's usually men. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so I mean, I also think that misogynistic tendencies come into this as well. Like misogyny, I think is, to, uh, is a big part uh, of this as well. I think, um, yeah, I think kind of masculinity toxicity. Yeah, is is a is a a real issue in this as well. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to be kind of unpicked from this sort of situation because nothing is ever black and white. Um, the primary reason for Matthew being attacked is clearly because he was gay. Yes, but that doesn't mean that it's the only reason. There, the people are multifaceted, and there are other things going on with people. I, I'm not even going to go into why these people. You know, other reasons why the you know the men that did this to him did what they did, but I think it's undeniable because in every case it's it's never just one thing that leads somebody to behave in that way, or rarely is it that. Yeah, there's there's a great bit in this where one of the characters says like, "Oh, I, as much as I hate that this is," I'm obviously not going to quote this word for word, but uh, as much as I hate that this is, like the reason behind it i was so glad that they did try and use the gay panic defense because i was so worried that they would turn around and just try and say that this was just a robbery and that's happened so yeah. many times where people have like completely denied it being a hate crime for, for example when pulse nightclub got attacked yes clearly a homophobic crime clearly a hate crime clearly attacked because it's a gay bar and so many people, I remember watching the news and even on some news stations, people were saying, oh, you know, no, it was just, you know, it was just a hate, like a, a, a shooting at a club. It wasn't a hate crime. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, it fucking was, though. It was. Yes, there might be other things as well going on, of course, but it's a fucking the hate crime. The primary reason. Yeah. Is to and it's just commit a hate crime. Yeah. And then, but then you have all of these things that foster this fucking hate, which I realise I've said throughout this entire episode so many times. But like, I think, I think it's because it baffles us. Um, it's not to say that you know the UK doesn't have those problems. It really fucking does. I mean, I think we um, have more of an issue with um, trans issues in this country than some other places. There's a lot more stuff in the news, um, like on newspapers and stuff that is incredibly um, anti-trans. Um, so we have a real problem with that in particular in the UK. Uh, so it's not to say that these are not issues here, but I think us personally, I think we've always struggled watching these sorts of films and being able to understand how these sorts of things can happen and how this hatred can um, fester in people to the point that they are willing to act out um, in in one way or another, because this isn't the only uh, example. Like obviously, the the assault and murder is not the only um, tragedy or the only major expression of hate in this film. But we also have the um, the Westboro Baptist Church turning up um, and picketing. Uh, I believe uh, the court and. You know? They did the, the funeral and then they were coming back for the court. So they did the funeral yes. and obviously no one knew that they were going to be there. So no one could do anything in advance. But they yeah. they picketed a funeral. Like, this is what they do. This is yeah. 
Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's what you think spreading your message is about? Like, go fuck yourself. And also then they, so they, when they did come back to picket the, the court case, because they were saying things, and I quote, like, Matt is in hell. Yeah. And uh, AIDS is not a disease, it's a cure. And like throwing away around the F word a lot as well. Yes. And I don't and, mean fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. And they, so they, then obviously when they came back, they knew that they were coming back for the court case so the a friend of Matthew Shepherd and some of the community created this incredible way to block them from yes, because so obviously they... imagine being Matthew's parents and having to walk past that and hearing all of this hate screamed about your son that you have just lost it's awful it's, it's genuine fucking it's... unthinkable it's another thing that i find bizarre like, there's one thing to be like, you know what? I'm not gay and I would prefer it if I didn't hang around gay people. That's one thing. I don't agree with it, but it's one thing. Then to verbalise it, to openly display those feelings, to act aggressively towards people from those communities or anyone who is affected by it. That takes it to another level. Like, if you sit at home with your own hatred and nothing happens with it, I mean, you're still a bit of a dick, but you know what? You're not hurting anyone. That's well, one thing. You're not actively hurting anyone. You're still hurting people with your bigotry and your hatred because it not does if you, don't, you out. Not, not if you don't do anything. And I mean anything, including voting against things or saying, if you don't do anything, and I know that's a rare occasion, but if you don't do anything, <laughs> then it's, you know, whatever. As soon as you start doing things that hurt people's rights, hurt people physically, hurt people emotionally, uh, make people feel othered or less than because of your hatred, then you're automatically an arsehole, put it lightly. Um, and, you know, it just escalates from there, doesn't it? Um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, being LGBTQ. I'm talking about any protected characteristic, anyone who people have prejudiced um, opinions towards. If you do anything that undermines them, makes them feel lesser, aggressively attack them, do anything that uh, infringes their rights, then you're a bad person. I don't care what other things you believe. You're a bad person because it's one thing to believe something. It's another thing to affect other people's lives because of your own beliefs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it affects it anyway, because if you look at uh, uh, like the vote in Ireland, for example, when it was to legalize gay marriage, they voted to legalize it. So if you're sat there with your hatred, not voting or voting against, you are causing pain. And, and suffering but i just to actively that, go out say, but i would say that to vote against something or for something that diminishes somebody else's rights is still an action but not voting is also an action yes but i think it's rarer to have a situation where you are voting for something yes yeah yeah um, it, oh it's very rare ireland, ireland was like the first country to do that yeah um like is which was a huge huge step yeah usually it's voting for something to be banned yeah that's basically it <laughs> yeah yeah but i like i remember so i remember that vote in ireland happening because i i have i'm half irish and i've got a lot of uh irish family obviously and i remember my my aunt over in ireland who's like this tiny little old irish catholic woman 
was going out and telling all her friends, oh, I hope you're voting, you know, for gay marriage. And I was just mm. like, that, that is the sort of fucking person that you should be. She was brought up in the church. She was brought up with all of this fucking hatred being spewed at her. And she's still religious. She still is a Catholic. But she's realized that it's not all... Like, it's been fucking interpreted by man the wrong way. And you can go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. I just... But the, the, the scene where they show the angels blocking... Yes. Oh my god. And the close-up of their faces with the tears. I just... I think it was one of the most moving and poignant moments in any film I've ever seen. I think that especially... Because, you know, as an audience, we know that so many of the people who chose to do that are queer themselves or relations of people who are queer. Um, they're standing up. They're putting themselves in danger. They are having to listen themselves to the horrible things that are being spewed against people like them to try and protect others. And one thing that I um, particularly like, because, of course, I wanted to look up... Um, if this was like a standalone thing, it's not. It's not. No. Um, they did it at the Pulse. I'm um, not necessarily the same people, but it was done at the Pulse nightclub. Um, it started such a movement as well, and yeah. I think it's a really beautiful thing and such a peaceful way of saying, "Fuck you." Um, yes. We're not going to allow your hatred to continue. This, well, the circumstance that we're already in, is because of people's hatred. And we're not going to allow that spew of hatred to continue. I'm going to, you know, we are going to protect those that need to be protected, whether it's the community yeah. or the family members or whatever it is. We do not want you to be contributed to, uh, contributing towards whatever is happening here. And we don't want you to get the airtime either. So you yeah. can rightly, rightfully fuck off. We will put ourselves in this position um, to protect our community and our family. I just, like... And I've seen it. I've seen it a few times in in reality, as well as obviously on this film. And that, without like exception, it moves me so much when I see that just peaceful blocking. Just like no, we're not doing that. It's incredibly like, powerful. It's so powerful. It's such a powerful moment. And I just and it's especially the fact that they have chosen angels, a symbol of peace. Yeah. A signifier that this person or these people, if it's in other scenarios, um, are going to heaven, if that's what you believe. You know, if you, in terms of if you believe in an afterlife, they are going to heaven. They're not going to hell like the people behind you are saying. You know, the fact that it stands up for all yeah. of these things. And then, of course, like they literally block the view of those protesters. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. It's it's such a beautiful thing. I like it. It reminds me not on uh, the level at all, but like I remember talking to. So I've never been religious in my in my life. I've never I've never had religion. I've never believed in heaven or hell or an afterlife. But my grandma uh, was Christian, and I remember talking to her about it when I was younger. And I remember saying to her, like, "Oh, what what is like?" religion what why do you believe this what is this and i was like young so i don't know how exactly i phrased it but i remember and her words have always stuck with me and she said it doesn't matter what religion you are religion should boil down to one word and one word only and that is love mm. 
And I was like, this is that, like, you see these people claiming hatred as religion. Yes. And it's just so fucked up. It's so fucked up. You're fucking picketing funerals. They are. And the you extreme. think you've got the moral high ground. Yeah, I think, like, I think in all fairness, there are a lot of religious people who would say fuck you to the Westboro, Bra- Westboro oh, Baptist Church. To clarify, but... <laughs> I was not saying, I was not saying that is religion at all. Like, yeah. that's not what I was saying. I'm saying that they, they are claiming that they are doing this in the name of religion. One thing that I found interesting as well, and I picked up on perhaps more than I had previously when watching this film, though admittedly, my memory is a little shaky since it's it's been a while since I've seen this film um, last time, but uh, was was the fact that so many people seem to really reassess their beliefs when it came to their their, their faith, which was primarily um, Christian, mm-hmm. and their beliefs about homosexuality. And I thought it was interesting because, of course, we see that the priest or vicar or whoever is incredibly bigoted still and says some really horrific things to clear deval which should never be said to clear deval she's lovely um but also but... she she's playing straight in this i was like have you seen her outfit she is not straight mm-hmm. <laughs> um we had the same problem at the end of the faculty kim um... I, know, I, know. I know uh... <laughs> but the amount of uh characters who obviously are re- were based on real people who were able to, through this event, reassess their views on what they believe God is truly saying about homosexuality, how they either separated their faith and their um, feelings towards gay people, or how they chose to reinterpret what their faith says about gay people. I thought it was... Uh, really interesting and certainly enjoyable to see that several characters seem to use this opportunity as a way to perhaps reassess and learn about the issues in their faith that perhaps affect other people and cause I'm not saying of course I'm not saying that all Christians are causing hate crimes to happen I'm just saying how uh, you know when people are actively um preaching against homosexuality how that can be ingrained in a culture and ingrained in a person uh, that might contribute towards them uh, committing a horrible crime like this yeah well i mean they have that scene where they go or a couple of scenes with um the the catholic priest um and the two gay people go and talk to the catholic priest and they're obviously concerned about going and and seeing what might be said and he is one of the most like in my opinion he's one of the best characters in this and obviously he's based on a real person because he he's obviously taken so much time to think mm. about what his thoughts are on religion and homosexuality and i there's there's one bit that he says so his his name's father roger smith and um he says and i'm going to i'm going to obviously paraphrase a little bit because i don't want to use the f word um because it's not my word to reclaim. So you think violence is what they did to Matthew. They did do violence to Matthew. But you know, every time that you are called an F word or you are called a dyke, do you realise that that is violence? That is the seed of violence. And I would resent it immensely if you use anything I said 
to somehow cultivate that kind of violence. Just deal with what is true. You know what is true. You need to do your best to say it correct. And the fact that that is coming from a father, a priest, Mm. and he was saying he would hate that anything that he says would be turned into hatred. Mm. That is the sort of religious leaders you need. Well, it was it was refreshing to see that it's not just about the the individuals of the town who are reassessing um, or standing up in against hatred in uh, it, you know as a response to what's happened, but it's also somebody of faith, a pillar mm-hmm. of the community, who's saying, "Oh no, do not use faith as an excuse for what you have done, because it's not right." And I would hate for you to take any preachings from the Bible um, and misconstrue it in that way. And the fact that he was a Catholic preach, uh, priest, I found surprising, considering usually uh, um, in Catholicism, uh, tradition is is more valued. Um, you know, that they kind of hold on to uh, sometimes beliefs that are, you know, m- more modern parts of well, I mean, you can't. Gay people can't get married in the Catholic Church. Like they've, they like. Yeah, but even like their their views towards divorce and stuff are perhaps seen as a little outdated by other faiths or other sections. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they have some very traditional views in, in that in in that faith. So I thought it was really interesting that from such a traditionalist part of Christianity, there is somebody who's standing up and saying, actually, no. Uh, yeah. Whereas the uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what branch of Protestantism the other priest is meant to be from. But he is much more um, vicious about his approach and openly condemns um, Matthew and uh, all gay people. Well, that that was such a powerful scene with with Claire de Val when she then comes out afterwards and is like, I just let him say that to me. Yeah. But how many times have people... I know I certainly have have heard people use words that are offensive and that might deeply hurt you to the core and you're so shocked in the moment or you don't know how to approach it in the moment or you're scared to approach it in the moment that you just let it happen and you're stunned almost until that person has left. I, more often than not, when anyone has called me a slur or attacked me, I have said nothing. Yes. Like... Because what are you what are you gonna say? Like, yes, obviously you want to stand up for yourself, but you are in you're genuinely in danger. Well, if you if somebody uses a slur and or or says something hateful towards you, automatically you're like red sirens go off, don't you? Danger, danger. Yeah. This is somebody who is not gonna perhaps listen to reason when I try to mm-hmm. talk to them and could actually, you know, endanger me. So yeah. I'm perhaps going to just back away, particularly if I'm by myself or I don't feel, uh, you know, I, f- I feel particularly vulnerable. I don't feel very um, able to confront this person. I'm going to back away for my own safety. And that is a valid response yeah. because safety comes first. But it's always shocking. And I, I would imagine incredibly regretful later when you feel like I should have just fucking said something. To shut that down but in the moment you just know that you could never have done that well i've had i've had like i have genuinely lost count of the amount of times i have been 
attacked for being queer. Like I cannot count them. I can I don't even remember all of them. And yeah. I remember this one time when I was with an ex of mine and we got just this was just like homophobic slurs being screamed at us. And I just said nothing and I just carried on walking. And she said something, but I just carried on like I obviously I didn't leave her like we were holding hands and walking. Um and she was like, "Why don't you say anything?" And I was like, "Well, it just it happens so often." Like, yeah. I just ignore it. And I remember her, the shock from her, because I was the first same-sex person that she had ever been with. The shock from her that that is something that I was just, for me, was just something I dealt with constantly. And... Well, I, if you don't mind me saying, I would I would say that you probably um, read as more stereotypically queer in the way that you don't you know what you're talking yourself. about. <laughs> you know that, that's who you are but I think that you very much kind of fit certain kind of stereotypical boxes in some way in the way that you choose to present yourself um, how dare you <laughs> I am not justifying um anything being no, said I know, to you I in know. those situations but it it's understandable not understandable that's the wrong word because it's not understandable <laughs> but you uh can see why people might choose to target you rather than for example your ex who was you wouldn't notice. She would not have got the queer nod. No, no. I didn't. I didn't even person. give her the queer nod until I was making out with her. Like I did exactly. not know. Um, so yeah, it's not. It's not like I. I definitely. I know that I walk down the street every day. This is. This is one thing for me. My entire life has been a protest. I step yes. out of the door, and it's. I'm putting myself in danger just from walking out of my fucking door. Yes, because you don't hide who you are. No. I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong, guys. She's not walking around, you know, you're not walking around with a massive banner and uh, everything, but you... Not all the time. Not <laughs> all the time, okay? Just, just you know, every other Sunday. But <laughs> you... The day of rest. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, there's you certainly kind of fit certain stereotypes, perhaps. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I even when I was at my, like, most stereotypically femme... I was not femme. Like, there was no... Like, I've never fit into the stereotypical cis female straight role. I ever. can confirm I have seen one photo of you in a dress, but you do look miserable. When? It's a photo that you showed me of you at primary school. This is before I knew you, and you look miserable, and you're wearing a dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I mean, well, I mean, firstly, I'm not a cis woman, so, you know, uh, but also because for me growing up, obviously clothes are so fucking gendered. They shouldn't be. It's fucking ridiculous. But I'm personally just not comfortable in a dress. Um, but also like you like I just uh, this is this is something that I find fascinating where like in this film, for example, where one of the one of the ranch hands says, oh, you know, I, I didn't say anything to anyone. I hadn't said that I was gay I assumed they knew and it's like I like every time I walk out I like I remember a few times meeting people who didn't immediately know I was queer and after a little while of being friends with them they were like oh I didn't realize you were a lesbian or whatever and I was like the are you fucking blind which obviously then is also playing into the whole stereotypes of being queer so we all have these stereotypes in our heads that we per perpetuate or, or or fall into but well, I stereotypes to... are based on fact 
It's yeah. just that not everyone fits into that stereotype. Yes. But, like, you shouldn't Generally. have to fear for, like, leaving the house because someone might hate you just for being who you are. No. And that's, and... that's what happens, really, in, in this story. Um, yeah. It, th- yeah. Yeah, this just shines... And I think, in, in reality, this just shone such a bright light on the hate that we, as queer people, face every day. And... It took over a decade before anything was signed into law after this happened. And yet you see these people going out and having vigils and and, and protesting and crying and, and mourning the loss of a member of our community and nothing changed for so long. Well, just... it's the same now. The argument now is that we are losing so many um trans people who murder people murdering them and And nothing is being done to protect them and nothing's being recognized about what's happening it's i just like every day i wake up and i look which is not good for my mental health at all but i'm already broken so fuck it um but every day i wake up and i look and i expect to see another thing against our community I expect to wake up and I expect to see that somewhere else someone has banned our community from playing sports or someone has been killed or someone has killed themselves because of the hatred. It's 2022. Like, the fuck is wrong with us? We're going backwards with some of these bills that are passed. And it's just despicable. Like, how how is this still a thing that we are talking about now? When we watch these films from when we were children. Well, what, why, why is this film still relevant? Well, exactly. Not to say that what happened to Matthew Shepard is not relevant, but the moral or, or, or the point of it, talking about these, these discussions could be ha- happening easily now as they did 20 years ago. Exactly. This should be a history lesson. This should be a history lesson, not a fucking present day scenario. Yeah. It's just... Wow, I really chose a depressing one this week, didn't I? You really Fucking did. Hell. You really did. I was severely dehydrated after watching this one. <laughs> I think I'm still dehydrated. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my um, God. I it's just... De- it's definitely a film, though, that I recommend people watching at least once, as long as, you know, you're in the right frame of mind to do so. Um, it does, you know, tackle some difficult topics. So only only watch it if if you feel that you can handle that. But if you can, I think it's definitely worth watching because I think it's, first of all, it's important to remember those who, unfortunately, are taken from us in this way. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I feel like it's important to know where certain laws and things have come from and what these pivotal moments in queer history are. And this is a pivotal moment. I also think it's really, thirdly, I think it's really important to kind of try and understand different perspectives when it comes to these sorts of um atrocities that happen you know those you know all all the different uh takes on it the fact that you know you would expect when something tragic happens that everybody would be shocked and appalled and would uh criticize the perpetrators but that's not what happens here and i think what's really interesting is to try and watch this film and not understand but just get uh take in like the breadth of experiences 
that people have as a response yeah. because this is based on the actual people of Laramie um, and how they responded in the wake of this tragedy. And so I think it's a really great way to get an understanding of how a community grieves and reacts to something happening, whether that's that they're grieving the person who has been murdered or they're grieving how the perpetrators' lives are forever changed, because that is certainly part of the story here. Oh, the, the, the grandmother of um, McKinney, I think. Yeah. Um, like you just the pain that that woman is going through, and you feel it to your core. This poor woman, and you can see that she is grieving both the loss of Matthew because you see her when she talks to Matthew's parents in the courtroom, and she's also grieving the loss of her grandson. Like it, this this story. That's one thing that I think this story does so well is it talks about how it touches so many people in different ways. Like the, the police officer who was like, who who could have been, um, could have contracted HIV from dealing with Matthew um, before they took him to hospital, where she was like, the gloves, they give us a shit and you just keep, you keep putting them on, but you don't hesitate. You do not hesitate. Well, what do you do? Do you let someone exactly. choke in their own blood or do you take the risk? Exactly. And I'm so and glad that the person that, you know, came to help him in that moment was somebody who saw his humanity before anything else. Yeah. And I just, I think this, this is done in such a, this film is just so fucking well done. And I, I, as the next time that this play is on in the UK, we're going. I'm bringing um, tissues. Oh my God. Like boxes. My bag will just be a Waterproof. giant box of tissues. <laughs> waterproof mascara it's ready oh, yeah i might have to have a bib from the amount of tears that will fall like i just bottles of I, water stay yeah. hydrated oh my god it's gonna be i'm gonna be an absolute mess but i think that this the, the, the film tells this story and i think it's because it's the the theater company that went there are also the same people who have told this story via film and it's the voices of the people that is directly affected and they didn't shy away from any different viewpoint they showed everyone it's, it's not biased it's a true reflection of what the people felt which is one of the hardest things to do i think yeah like because we're all we all have biases like we, we all have our own opinions and it's very easy to skew it one way or the, like when you look at any documentary it's well, what, told through their opinion basically what i would be interested in because for the most part, I would say it's pretty unbiased. It does show a, a wide variety of opinions um, or of, of the different people who are involved and um, uh, who they're related to, etc. I would be interested to see how this plays to somebody who is perhaps either bigoted or conflicted about their views of homosexuality because it's yeah. not a, a clean cut i mean i always see this as very much this is a hate crime and we need to talk about this kind of film and of course matthew was not in the wrong uh because nobody, nobody deserves to be treated this way regardless of any supposed actions that they did which first of all that is also contested uh by eyewitnesses who 
don't believe that he made a pass. Yes, thank you, Joshua men. Jackson. I can't remember his name in the film, but no, but uh, again, <laughs> I mean, this cast is stacked. Um... Honestly, I uh, every time like someone new pops up, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, yes, I forgot you were in this. Like, that's like, oh, fresh off Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yes, he, and he played such a great role. <laughs> yes, I it was. I was really surprised. Some of the people I was like, of course they're in this. They're, they're queer. Um, and other people, I was surprised. Who were like Christina Ricci? I thought was fantastic in this. Um, oh, I mean, she is, she is, she plays queer so well. Like... She really does. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that it, it's definitely one for people to revisit. And I would be curious to know what other people's um, takes from this film is, because I do think that your own beliefs, your own position could impact how you read the, the story here. The, the, you know, whether you see this as truly being about, um, an atrocity that happens whether it's something where you're exploring both sides of opinions that the local people have you know whatever it is you're coming to this with I wonder if that skews how you watch film and the experience you have that would be such an interesting thing to to see or like see the theatre production and see the difference reactions yeah. uh, whether, whether or not people do come away all with the same opinion on it yeah, I think I think this is such a, a a great talking point. Yeah, I just think I think people should watch this film. I think it's an important film, um, and also I think that people should know about the Matthew Shepard Foundation. Um, yeah, because Matthew's parents set that up in like in his name, and their slogan is "Erasing Hate Since 1998." Oh, I love and a bit of I rhyming. Just, oh well, yes absolutely but also like oh it's just so and they do they do such great work with the lgbt community um which yeah so if anyone does feel like they need help or wants to help out uh if you do go to matthewshepherd.org um you can find out everything that they're doing and it's incredible and i i've watched so many interviews with judy shepherd like over the years and oh man i just it, like it hurts every time I see her, but she's done so much good for this community. I mean, she's a legend. Yeah. So if yeah, yeah if if anyone does feel like they can spare anything, I know everything is like it's a hard time for everyone at the moment. But if anyone does feel like they can spare anything or need some help, then head over to MatthewShepherd.org. Um, and if if you do need some someone in the queer space, like we are both queer as fuck and always here so like feel free to dm us if you if you need anything because we're part of your community yeah yeah don't know how to move on from that fucking hell that's a damn (laughs) well look clearly my mental health is not great at the moment so i instead of trying to help myself by watching fun things i'm just depressing myself more Uh, well i'm going to change that then because next week Whilst it still tackles some important social issues, I, I it's been a while since I watched this. Uh, from my recollection, it's uh, a fun film um, that I think you will enjoy. And it uh-huh. has an awesome soundtrack, which is iconic. Uh, so, of course, if you hadn't guessed already, which I doubt you could because it's very vague what I've just said, um, <laughs> I am choosing the classic, 9 to 5. I fucking adore Dolly. I adore her. <laughs> and it's got Jane Fonda. Queen. 
and Lily fucking Tomlin. queen. <gasps> oh, honestly, the two of them together are just oh, you can't, I can't, I can't put it into words. Oh, it's going to be so much fun, and I'm wondering if it's going to be completely outdated in some ways as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, I'm so in. I cannot wait. All I really remember is them like walking through the office looking like badass bitches and them tying up their boss in a bedroom. That's all I remember. And I, that oh, might even be wrong. Kinky. I don't think it's kinky. I think he's oh. an ass. Um, <laughs> but I'm, in, I'm looking forward to revisiting that one because it's been a number of years since I last saw it. Um, and I'm sure the gender politics in it are still relevant today sadly um but so you just you just turned that round to yay a dolly parton film to and so we're going to talk about real social issues that still are prevalent to this day <laughs> yeah and then i'm like but look at that wig oh my god <laughs> all right well thank you guys so much for for listening and uh sorry if we did bring you down this week um yeah but i mean it's a great film it is, and I think sometimes it's important to have these discussions and also you want to talk about things with the right tone. I would have felt uncomfortable if I had been laughing all the way through an episode about the death of, uh, the murder of Matthew Shepard. So... <laughs> yeah, all right, well, expect more, <laughs> hopefully expect more laughs next week. Uh, um, yeah, so thank you so much and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at heavenlyfeaturespod. You can also email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at gmail.com. And you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.